Well, uh, here we are. Uh, uh, okay, so that happened. Uh, Oklahoma falls 23-20 to in Morgantown to West Virginia on a walk-off field goal. And now uh, after last week's game, a three-point loss. This three-point loss feels so, so, so much different than just seven days ago. Lee Benson joined by Grant Benson, and for the first time in the history of West of Everest, we are recording the podcast mm, about an hour or so after the game went final. Obviously, I have, I've changed jobs, so I'm no longer covering Oklahoma. I was not at the game today. Of course, Grant was not at the game either. So we were watching the game on television like all of you, most likely. And so uh, because of that, we decided, you know what, we have this option to record the podcast relatively immediately. And I've always wanted to do this, to be honest with you. I've always wanted to be able to get on and if not immediately record the podcast, maybe after all the post-game stuff, then we do it. But just the way my job worked before, we never had time to do it. I always had to wait till the next day. So here we are about an hour after OU loses 23 to 20 to talk about whatever that was. And I feel like I'm uh, a broken record because I said that last week when Oklahoma lost to Baylor. So without further ado, let me bring in Grant for the first time. Grant, uh, what's going on? Well, yeah, I'm just sitting here uh, in the aftermath of it. So really bad, really bad. Um, I, you know, midweek podcast here, I, I was talking about how I thought people were maybe overact, overreacting a little bit to Baylor last week. Uh, this is one where people are going to be mad and be mad, man. This one sucked. West Virginia sucks. West Virginia sucked. I said right before we hit record on this that in the first half of that game, West Virginia was a team just begging to lose by 35 points. They, they took that field, and they were begging Oklahoma to put them out of their misery, and they just could not do it. They could not do it, and there are just a litany of reasons why. Extremely frustrating. Uh, seemingly like last week, it's like, where do you want to begin? I mean, uh, I, mean I suppose it's, it's best to – I shouldn't say best, but it's, it's easy to try to – find easy solutions or easy explanations, if you will. And I think we decided between you and I, and I don't know if a lot of other people agreed with us, but last week's loss to Baylor, in my opinion, I think a lot of what you thought as well is that the game was decided in the first half on those four offensive possessions, the three turnovers and the one turnover on downs. That, to me, was the reason why the game went the way it did. I realize an entire second half happened, but those first half mistakes and miscues and uh, problems for Oklahoma, I think, were the reason why Oklahoma lost. Otherwise, the Sooners' offense played really well against a, a good Baylor defense. Against West Virginia, I'd say the offense uh, made way, way, way too many mistakes. And the defense, for the most part, played good. But at times when the defense needed it, the defense didn't play well. So uh, it all kind of came together. Uh, in the worst possible times, but I'd say mostly, Grant, I think you probably agree. Maybe you'd mentioned this before we started recording. That one is on the offense more than the defense. Yeah, but also at the same time, who cares? Like, just win that game. I, I, like, I, that, is one, that is the least impressive team OU has lost to in my memory. I, that team sucks. That West Virginia team is bad. I mean, they had the corpse of JT Daniels starting. I don't even know why he started the game. If that that's that, that's first of all that's just malpractice by West Virginia's coaching staff to see JT Daniels and then see Garrett Green and to think that JT Daniels actually gave them a chance to win and oh you lost to that team 
Yeah, JT Dan, and they they brought JT Daniels back in the game. Uh, they they pulled him, and then they brought him back in. I think in the second quarter, maybe the third quarter. But overall, he was seven so West twelve Virginia for sixty five yards and threw a pick. They had no idea what was going on. They were just going into that game. Like, oh, we'll <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> it was uh, it was a disaster. I I thought both teams played awful. I thought the broadcast was awful. Uh, the weather was awful. Thank goodness I wasn't there, to be honest with you. That would have been a really horrible game to have to shoot down on the sidelines. Everything about that game was awful. I was talking to one of my good friends during the game. who's uh, He's an OU guy. We went to OU together. And he's been, he's been pretty skeptical about Venables ever since Venables was hired. And he's looking more and more right. And we can – I don't know if we're going to get into that at all. We probably will at some point. But uh, he made a comment during the game. He's like, you know, I don't, I don't even know why anybody's at that game. I'm not even sure why this game is on television. It's that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I just couldn't do anything but laugh because I think he's right. It was so bad. It was so, so bad. And yet Oklahoma should have won the game. And Oklahoma wins that game. And we just, we sit there, we laugh. We kind of just shrug our shoulders and say, well, Oklahoma's not very good. West Virginia is even worse, but at least Oklahoma won. The Sooners lost. And Oklahoma's five and five. And for the first time this year, Grant, for the first time, I'm not sure Oklahoma makes a bowl game. I know a lot of people were throwing that around after the TCU game, the Texas game, but I was more positive, like, hey, listen, I want to see Dylan Gabriel come back and see what happens, and I never, I never really thought that not making a bowl game was in the cards. I do now. I do now. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, they're not that's bowl eligible totally yet, and they've got two games left, and they're, they clearly are a team that is going to do everything they possibly can to allow the other team to hang around with them. That is the M.O. of Oklahoma this season. That is so very clear. I think we got, we got a weird kind of taste of that of, against TCU in Texas where Gabriel got hurt, and I just think a bunch of weird stuff spiraled out of control. But what we've seen against Kansas State, what we've seen, essentially what we've seen in the games where Dylan Gabriel is 100% healthy, this is who Oklahoma is. They are pretty good every now and then on offense, but they make critical mistakes when you just can't have them, and the defense is capable of playing pretty decently in stretches, but when you absolutely need it at the very end of the game, they can't do anything for you, except against Iowa State. That's who the team is. And so, of course, of course you should be skeptical about whether or not because I know exactly how next week's game is going to go. OU is probably going to look like the better team for 80% of the snaps, but they're going to make enough critical mistakes to let Oklahoma State hang around, and it's going to come down to the last second. Hey, speaking of Oklahoma State, for the first time ever on this podcast, I, I, I actually I have Oklahoma State on. You know, I, I listen to the Sooner Scoop guys every once in a while because they record their podcasts on Saturdays and they'll reference games they're watching. For the first time, we can actually reference games going on. Not that it matters, but OSU's winning 10-7 to right now against Iowa State. Uh, gives you an idea of when we're recording it. But anyways, that's not the point of this podcast. Uh, but, yeah, okay, so <laughs> let's, a couple of uh, notes. I took a bunch of notes afterwards because I wanted to get my thoughts together because I didn't want really, to miss anything big because, you know, when you jump into a post-game podcast without a whole lot of time – it's really easy to, to forget certain parts of the game. There's certain things that stand out that we're not going to forget, but there's probably some things that maybe the listeners won't remember. Maybe, maybe you won't remember, and I hopefully I, I got some notes together so we can go through it all. But some numbers that are pretty, uh, pretty bad. Uh, Oklahoma offensively. Third down. Can you guess what Oklahoma was on third down? Oh, I know Grant? what they were. They were one for 11 on third down. One for 11. One for 11 on third down. That is obviously terrible, uh, inconceivable for a team that's had a 
pretty good offense all year when Dylan Gabriel's been healthy. And on the flip side, West Virginia, I think, was 7 of 19 on third down. But more importantly, West Virginia was 4 of 5 on fourth down. And one of those fourth downs was a fourth and 10 late in the game that extended a drive. And uh, another one was a, a fourth and 16. It wasn't a conversion, but Oklahoma committed a penalty. And then, there, so I, let's not get to that yet, but that was a whole other thing that was a, a disaster. Uh, Eric Gray was the star of the game. 211 yards rushing, 25 carries, two touchdowns, averaged more than eight yards per carry. Eric Gray was fantastic again. Eric Gray was clearly the best player on the field for either team. Mm-hmm. Javante Barnes returned, got five carries. Marcus Major, I don't think, played from what I saw. So Barnes back healthy, so that's good, good news. But yeah, the, the third down conversions, the fourth down conversions for West Virginia was big. But here's one, uh, I, I think, maybe the most important stat of the game, and it's a, it's a potential stat. It's kind of like a, it's in a way a hypothetical stat, Grant. But I did the math. I went back and looked at it. And in the first half, and heck, what was the theme last week? We talked about how the first half kind of doomed OU. The first half, I think, doomed OU again this week because Grant, Oklahoma left 18 points on the field in the first half. 18 and Oklahoma still led 12 to 6 at the half. And yet they left 18 points on the board. Unfathomable. And if you want I can go through all like all the details on that. I had yeah, all written no, down. Yeah, no. I I would love to. I mean, we're going to I already got a, a couple of big ones sitting here in my head, so I mean, let's we might as well go over them because it all matters. Because honestly, if yeah. one of these plays goes goes different, they probably win. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> What were we talking about last week? It's exactly what happened last plays, week. Exactly what happened yeah. last week. Like, Oklahoma plays with a lead or, a, more precisely, a couple-score lead. It's totally different. Yeah, they were up 10 to nothing, and then they kicked the ball out of bounds. Or was mm-hmm. that, or did, they, did, did they kick it out of bounds after that, or, did, or is that where they gave up the long kick return? They gave up a long kick return. Yeah. They're... Like, there you go. I mean, as, as soon as I saw that, then, like, I... As soon as I saw the long kick return, I was like, oh, here we go. All right, so let's start in the first quarter. The defense gets a three and out, and on first down, there's no score, by the way, at this point. It's scoreless. Uh, this is the first down play where they just a nice little easy swing pass out to Marvin Mims, drops it. Drops it. Just easy swing pass designed for him to basically be an extension of the run game. Marvin Mims. Uh, another awful game for Marvin Mims. Uh, I, I thought the Iowa State game was like going to be, okay, he got his really bad game out of the way. We're not going to see that again. Th- th- today was worse. <laughs> today was worse. And he drops that pass. And then on second down, the next play, Grant, I, I don't know if it was Dylan Gabriel. I don't know if it was Marvin Mims. But Mims gets wide open down the seam. And Dylan Gabriel throws it behind him. He's wide open. Uh, if they're on the same page there, and Marvin Mims actually catches the ball this time, so I, I guess that's not a given. But if he catches it, that's a touchdown. It's seven to nothing. So there's seven points right there that Oklahoma left on the field. What happened there? I have no idea. I don't know who that was on. Yeah, and maybe and this is kind of the downside of doing this the way we're doing it. I don't know if they're you know maybe Mims or Venables or Lebby or somebody's going to be asked that in the post game. Maybe that'll come out. So I don't know. Um, so there's seven points right there. Let's go to the second quarter. Braden Willis scored a touchdown. That was great. 
That was the. Uh, I, I think er- that was the big one of the game. I mean, that was just. Yeah, I just that you just that just can't happen. I mean, that's so bad. That's like that is that that's a layup in football these days. That play, and you know the only yeah. thing you have to do there if you're Braden Willis is stay behind the line of scrimmage. And so that's the question I have: is who was that on? Is it on Braden Willis on or Braden is it on Theo Weiss? One hundred percent. Because I think I mean maybe Weiss is doing but, exactly what he's supposed to do on that play. You're supposed to catch it behind the line of scrimmage, and you make all the contact you want if you're Theo Weiss. Sure, sure, and you know what? That's that's the thing, and th- th- yeah, and, may- and maybe that'll be maybe that's ass as well. But my thing is, you're probably right because Theo did like throw a block. But my thing is, you don't even need that. All all you need is just it's a screen, like it's a it's a screen, it's a pick play. But if you're the receiver there, how many times have you seen on film receivers get called for that? You don't even need to make contact. All you need to do is just run and like avoid the guy because all you need is just that split second of the defender not being able to catch up to Braden Willis. So in my mind, you don't even need to make contact with that guy. But to your point, if his job is to make contact because Braden Willis is supposed to be behind the line of scrimmage, then you're right. That's on Braden Willis. So I, it, either way, that is a layup. As you said, they've, that they've scored a touchdown. a touchdown on that play this year before, and I'm fairly certain the, the receiver was blocking down when Willis scored. I mean, wasn't it kind of similar to the – Touchdown they scored against Kansas State where Willis had to go down and catch it and yeah. like Dylan Gabriel had a bad snap. Yeah, I think it may have been. And and that, and that was obviously across the line of scrimmage on that because uh, he was in the end zone when he caught it. So I mean, maybe it was a different play. but I So that either way, it's a huge mistake and that cost them four points because they kicked the field goal. So that's 11 points there left on the field after the uh, Mims wide open in the slot miscommunication incomplete pass and that's just okay it's, it's three nothing next offensive possession after the Oklahoma defense forced a turnover the second turnover of the game Marvin Mims drops a wide open touchdown pass guys the guy got the guy beat by five yards drops it just in his bread basket he's gone touchdown oh yeah and that's two more strides 18, in the end 18 zone. potential points I said, yeah, he just he takes two more strides and he's in the end zone. So yeah, shouldn't it have been twenty-one to nothing after that. So, t- so yes, yeah. All the while, all the while, somehow, out of nowhere, back from the dead, OU's defensive line is getting organic pressure with their defensive line <laughs> against JT Daniels. And again, West Virginia is just saying, please, Oklahoma, put us out of our misery, please. We don't want to be here. It's cold. It's raining. Our coach who we committed to is going to get fired next week. We just don't want to be here anymore. Please help us. <laughs> but instead, they kept getting life and life and life, and the backup quarterback And then, and then, and then West Virginia puts the one guy in who wants to be there for West Virginia. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I, so, Mims drops a touchdown pass, another drop. Oklahoma didn't even score on that possession. Didn't even get any points on that possession. As they missed they the went, field goal? No. They they went they they turned it over on downs. That was the sequence. And this is why I'm glad I went through because I, I knew there, there was be too some, many. Like, hey, there was so many. <laughs> so that was the sequence when they got the ball in the West Virginia territory because the the Mims dropped touchdown. I mean, that would have been a long touchdown pass. I mean, that would have been like a sixty yarder. I mean, that was a deep, like it was way out there. And so they got the ball. 
down inside the West Virginia 40. Remember, they had fourth and one at the 40, uh, the 37-yard line. Oh, and they run line. some sort of elaborate play they've never run before. And they go under center, and there's a false start. I can't remember who it was, but there's was, a false start. They called it on Ram. It was a snap infraction because he was trying to get the West Virginia had jumped into the neutral zone and he was trying to to snap it and he fake snapped it. So they called a snap infraction wow. on him. Gotcha. So yeah, there's so fourth and one. But and also it, it Chris screwed. Murray was playing fullback and it would have it, it doesn't matter. They screwed it up. It was to me terrible. it looked like it, it looked like the people in the backfield started moving forward before anything with the ball happened. So I I think it was on. I mean, they might have called it. It doesn't rain, matter. It was think, a disaster. It was a disaster of a play. Yeah. Who cares who it was? It on? doesn't. <laughs> it, so it's fourth and one. Now it's fourth and six. They go for it, and the ball is batted down at the line. No points. And it was at this point, I think I might have texted you and said, okay, "So is is the Wildcat just not part of the the, the playbook today?" Like, is it's this, so funny they <laughs> they implement the Wildcat ex- explicitly for the Texas game have some success with it, and then totally abandon it on plays where they need it the most against Texas. And then in short oh, yardage, yeah, yeah. they've struggled in short yardage over the last four weeks, and they just they don't even use it. I have no clue what they're doing. In short, I mean, I they, they Jeff Levy doesn't it. know what he's doing in short yardage. He just can't decide. Well, heck, they, He can't decide. Well they, they, well, they used it last week with Marcus Major, and he, he got oh, stopped. Oh, that's right, yeah. They they use it with the with like the worst skill player on the roster. <laughs> when Braden Willis was in the backfield with him on that, like I I know we were saying inexplicably Eric Gray wasn't in last week, but if you're gonna give it to somebody back there and Eric Gray's not in, at least give it to Braden Willis, who's big and can at least push forward for a yard and did really well in the Texas game, just getting at least a yard. He always fell forward. <laughs> gotten this far without mentioning too that uh, Oklahoma is a quarterback that legitimately cannot complete forward passes over the middle of the field to the point where they don't even try anymore so yeah Dylan Gabriel was not good today uh, the elements obviously factored in but that's that's not an excuse his, his arm strength was not very good on a day and it, it honestly it doesn't matter if he was that bad today on a day where Oh, you got whatever the hell they wanted on the ground whenever they wanted to, as long as they just ran the ball between the tackles. They, they well, did whatever that, they though. wanted, whatever they wanted. See, yeah, see, like, yeah, I get your point there, but they were doing that on their last possession of the game, and they got stopped. Yeah, so it I mean, wasn't. But also they at wanted. the same time, they get stopped when they're going fast as hell. They don't know what's in front of them. They don't see that that West Virginia literally does not have any safeties back. They're all in the box. You get outnumbered, you just run right into it. When all you have to do in a situation like that, run a little play action, leak someone out into the flat, and boom, it's an easy first down. This is what you do yeah. when you take your time and you think through things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what situation you're talking about, and I was going to probably get to there at some point. Um, but it was, it, it's, I'm yeah. sorry, it's a situation in the second half where you, have, you give the ball to Eric Gray the first four plays of the drive, and he's just churning out yards. They can't do anything to stop it. They take him out because he just had like a 30-yard run, and then they bring in Javante Barnes, and they're still trying to go fast. They're still trying to go fast, even though you have to give a breather to your guy who's been your entire offense today, and you go as fast as you can? What are you doing? Well, that's the offense, Grant. I mean, that's what they do. And they brought him back in. They brought Eric Gray back in on third down and short. But, you know, you bring a guy in that's been carrying it. Obviously, the defense is going to be like, oh, he's probably getting the ball. And he did get the ball, and they stopped him for no gain. And then 
that's when you kick a field goal. But I, you know, I, I still wanted to talk about the first half because there's still stuff in the first half that were that that were that was bad. And I mean, to the the best moment of the game for the there's two good moments for the OU offense. All of the disaster in the first half, they still were able to go 96 yards in like a minute and a half and score to make it. It was 10 to nothing. After all of that, OU was still up 10 to nothing with a minute to go in the second quarter, looking like they're going to go into halftime with a, a two-score lead. And, like, uh, but they're, then it, uh, the, the, kick, like, the kickoff return, like you mentioned it earlier in the show, like, all the momentum, you just, and then all of a sudden, it takes West Virginia not even 30 seconds, and they score, but... Oh, you get some more momentum back because the holder drops the snap and then Billy Bowman goes for two. <laughs> like, it's like, to your point, West Virginia was begging to be put down. Please beat us. We're giving it to you. And Oklahoma just said, nah, we're good, man. Like, I don't, <laughs> you guys take it. You can have it. Ha- take, take your first win over us, what? Uh, is that ever or just in the Big 12? Just in the Big 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why I hate it. And just like, years ago, yeah. In a season where everything's going wrong, where it's just they, the only mistakes they make in the game are in the worst possible moments, I, I, I knew they were going to lose this game. Uh, it's just, it's not. They were going to lose to West Virginia in the Big 12 eventually. And what better year than this one? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 18 points on the field, left on the field first half. At the very least, OU should have gone into the locker room with a two-possession lead, if not more. And like, they're making mistakes against a bad West Virginia team. And th- that would have been the difference. They go into the locker room with a two-plus possession lead. I think West Virginia probably quits. OU is able to win that football game. But <laughs> Well, I mean, the only way that West Virginia was able to move the ball in this game was with the, the quarterback run game getting five, six yards a, a piece. They weren't, they weren't going to get any explosive. They, they had the one explosive play on the slot fade on Trey Morrison. Just a great play to Sam James. But yeah, I mean, West Virginia wasn't going to be able to just... That's all they had. Get, getting four yards here, five yards here. I mean, which of course, I mean, that's, that's how you move the ball on OU's defense. Well, they also gave up a 35-yard pass play on second and 15. Uh, I think JT Daniels came back into the game and threw that ball. Uh, that was, was that was I'm sorry, yeah, that was on third and long. That was the one on the opposite hash that he threw like 50 yards in the air. No, I was on second and 15. I went back and looked. So uh, that's where I have no idea what coverage OU was in. I I don't know. Yeah. So like, so those are the two big explosive plays they gave up. Uh, I think I I you were talking earlier about how they were going fast and West Virginia had a lot of guys in the box and if they just would have checked to something or looked and realized there was no safeties because that's what the the color commentator was saying on on one of those situations it was third down and he said there was like seven guys in the box no dude there was nine guys in the box they they were selling out it was it was essentially man if OU decides to throw it over our heads right now we're we're screwed but they didn't care they're just like who cares go for it and that's and that's what's really frustrating because Dylan Gabriel is a veteran quarterback who you would think is supposed to be smart enough to kind of be like, okay, hold on a second. I see this. Let's do something about this. This, is a, this should be really easy. And that's a part of football that annoys me a lot sometimes because, man, that is a green flashing light to quarterbacks and coaches to, holy cow, throw the ball. That, this should be a gimme play. You should have plays for this. 
And I, th- I believe it happened early in the second half because OU's defense got a three and out to start the half. And OU got down inside the West Virginia 40 again and faced a third and two. And once again, they turned the ball over on downs. They couldn't, they couldn't pick up two yards in two plays. And the third down play, I believe, was the one where they had like nine guys in the box and lost a yard. And then on fourth down, I don't, the play they called had no chance. Gabriel rolled out and everybody was covered and it just it was over. It had no no chance. Just leaving, yeah, bad play calls. Like the defense is showing you something. You're not taking advantage of what the defense is giving you. Uh, you know the R. Mason Thomas sack that was great until he grabbed the face mask and gave him a free first that was, down. That was the first uh, first possession of the second half, right? Uh, second one, yeah. That it would have brought up a third and long. It would have been like probably third and eighteen or third and twenty. Yeah, because yeah, we like were. That. Okay, yeah, right after that play, because we were in a, a group text with us and Brady, and I texted right after that play that I said 13-12 after this drive, easily. I, there's no way that yes. they were going to get a stop after that. Well, at, they had their chances, the Sooners did. Even later in that drive, w- even when West Virginia got the ball deep inside the red zone, there was a play. They didn't show the replay at all on the broadcast, but there was a play on second down where David Aguebu looked like, to me, he should have had an interception. And the ball wasn't thrown very hard. It was kind of tipped awkwardly. And Agwebu, the ball kind of fumbled around his hands. And then he kind of came into contact with his teammates. And it went to the ground. And it's just a play where, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see a replay because then maybe there would be an angle where it's like, okay, that was a lot more difficult than it looked. But you got to take advantage of those moments where I think it was Garrett Green in the game. It should have been a pick. And on the very next snap, was the the fade ball touchdown pass to Ford Wheaton against Woody Washington that made it thirteen to twelve as you predicted, Grant? As, so yeah, I don't I don't it's know. Frustrating. Did, it's it's really frustrating. Not you don't make a play like West Virginia did not make a lot of plays in this game, and you don't make a play there, and you give them a little bit of life for them to make one of their like three plays they made in the entire game. Hmm. But hey, uh, the next possession, though, was the second highlight of the day for OU's offense. They answered beautifully. I believe there was a, a really nice kickoff return. I think that might have been Farouk that set him up. And they go 59 yards in seven plays. Unfortunately, it didn't take much time off the clock because it never does. But, I mean, that was Eric Gray, an Eric Gray drive. He just carried the mail. And I think he had the final three carries of the drive, goes for the touchdown, and then Dylan Gabriel scores on the two-point conversion, and then it's like, all right, they're, they're done messing around. They're back up by a touchdown. Deep breath, like and the defense got around, a guys. three and out. Well, didn't they? Or they got to stop. It wasn't a three and out. It was a three and out, but West Virginia faked a punt. Oh, so it was that drive. Okay, so this is the drive with the slot fade. Then it was the West Virginia fake punt drive, and they get a three and out. They're up by a touchdown. The defense gets three out, and then it's fourth down in such like an obvious fake situation. And, of course, West Virginia converts. And it's a play, if you go back and watch it, Oklahoma looks like they have enough they had players to, to make the tackle. But yet everybody on the field looks like they're trying to be the person that's contained to try to force them back inside to help. And all, it, all you need is one guy to do that. They had four players that were acting like they were contained guys, it seemed like. <clears throat> Excuse me. And at that point, once there was nobody playing inside out, knowing that, hey, 
my my contained guys are there. I don't need to do that. I can go attack this ball carrier. Once nobody was attacking the ball carrier, the guy was like, oh, I'll just turn this upfield and get the first down. And that's exactly what happened. It happened. He just, yeah, because, I mean, Kanek was right there to make the play. He just, he over-pursued. Kanek he was, was the to, last guy. He was trying to who, keep contained for try- whatever reason. Yeah. And yeah, he was he, already he contained. inside out. I know. I know. It's, and there was, and it wasn't even him. There was another guy that was over-pursuing because he and there was another guy that was over-pursuing that could have played more inside out. It, I get that it was a fourth down play. It was like, oh, surprise, even though it shouldn't have been a surprise because you're, you're only up by a, a touchdown. It was fourth and four, I believe. So it wasn't like fourth and 13 or something. So a fake is possible there, right? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, so this, yeah, is that the was same, that drive and, this is the same drive, though, of the, with the, the called-off penalty, right? This drive was a disaster. Well, no, this is, and this is the same drive where after that they give up the 35-yard pass play on second and 15. Uh, and, yes, yeah, you're right. This is the, the, the same exact drive where they get West Virginia into fourth and uh, 15 or 16, whatever it was. And inexplicably, the, the box score says it was Grayson Holton in the game. He's the guy that jumped off sides. I didn't see live. It was a defensive lineman. He... He jumps off sides on 4th and 16? And he had time to get back, too, and he didn't. He just sat there. Because it's just, you know, it's he weighs 300 pounds, and, you know, it, it takes a lot to move that big old body backwards, I guess, because he had all of, his, all of his weight on his Do front. Do you think they were actually, they were just trying to get OU to jump there, right? I mean, probably. I, prob- I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we should assume that that's the case. Because, yeah, so, of course, OU did exactly what West Virginia was trying they, to get them to do. Of course. Yeah, you're right because, of course, because then like uh, yeah, because then Green he was just throwing threw, a shot. The, there was no one there yeah. who he threw it to. Exactly. Exactly. So it's yeah. and then and then also you get in that situation and I you know this isn't why Oklahoma lost the game. It didn't help at all. That wave off of the penalty was awful, just terrible. It's bush league, bush league, man. I. And that would have yeah, been, I, I was trying to think of it, I don't think that would have been an offsetting thing because it, it would have been after the play, technically. So it would have, I think it would have been five yards and then they would have gotten minus 10 yards from there. So I think, isn't personal fouls? Personal fouls are 15 yards. So I believe, yeah, I think you're right. I think it would have been the offsides counts. So fourth and 10, fourth or and fourth 10. And whatever it was. And then it was a dead ball foul. So tack on the 15. So I think it would have been fourth and 25. I think that's what it would have been. Yeah. So it would have been like a 10 yard penalty net for whatever. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. So, and yeah. yeah. And then, so I'm sorry. That's, that's garbage. That's garbage. That's even if you want to say that that's not after the play and he, his knee wasn't technically down, that's still unnecessary roughness. And, and they oh, yeah. probably should I mean, have, looked, they, they probably should have reviewed it for targeting as well. I I didn't watch it that close. Um, the, but yeah, I mean, there's a reason the guy threw the flag, because <laughs> like, it was clearly a late hit. Like the guy giving giving himself up. Like whose whose decision was it to wave that off? And everyone was just like, yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great call. You're doing a great job, stripes. Because <laughs> I mean, as as soon as they pick, I mean, they were very obviously going to pick up the fourth and ten after that. So. And it just, of course, it just made it, it just, you know, makes it hurt even more that Garrett Green made one of his three throws in the entire game on that play. 
Uh, he had he had yeah, one I mean, throw just, in the first half, I guess. That was really nice on a rollout. I mean, he just it was a simple. I think the guy just ran a curl route and he was open. I mean, uh, Oklahoma doesn't know how to play zone coverage. Yeah, it's but it was heard this before. It was but oh, it, you can't it, play zone. It wasn't his number. It wasn't his number one option though. He had to sit in the pocket and go through his progressions. I, I just. Uh, and I'm also pretty yeah, sure. So, I'm also pretty sure after getting uh, organic pressure with four the entire game, I'm pretty sure they did the mush rush and only rushed three on that play. I'm third. Yeah, I guess I don't. I don't remember. It did seem like yeah they were getting some pressure, but a lot of it really felt like West Virginia was just holding the ball way too long. Yeah, right? Probably because they were they're covering well because their secondary is not bad. It hadn't been bad. They're covering well. Oh, you secondary? Yeah. Mm. And this is something, Lee, you'll, I, I don't think you're ever going to say OU secondary is good until they have, until they have like four NFL guys back there. But yeah, I mean, they're good. They, West Virginia didn't really have anyone open the entire game. There's a reason why, there, there's a reason why West Virginia was forced to make three really big plays in the passing game. That's all they got. I mean, there was a, a couple nice plays. I mean, it was it was nice to see on a, a deep shot in the first half, Woody Washington and Trey Morrison locate the football and actually go for the ball. And Woody Washington did it again, I think, on another play. But, I, I mean, I, I don't come away from that game thinking that, man, the OU, OU's DBs were covering really well. I, I don't – They're everyone was just kind of fine. Uh, they didn't cover well in that play. I mean, there was like, no one – I can think of one play where there was someone super open in the game, and it was that that one really long throw from JT Daniels on the opposite hash. Yeah, that was that was not great. I Every, guess everything I guess else. Maybe, I, I don't know that that slot fade. That slot fade to Sam James. Tip your cap. Can't do it. That's perfect coverage from Trey Morrison. Uh, uh, no, I don't think it was perfect coverage. He didn't. He didn't get his head turned. It's a perfect uh, throw in time enough. It's a perfect it's a throw. throw it's, a, but, it's an NFL throw. Th- if if you're not if you're not grabbing and tugging, your your arms are free there, and you can actually put your arms up and try to separate the ball. And that's just he's a veteran player. And I mean, granted, I guess I, the, I'm the upset. West Virginia is a is a is a crappy team, and crappy teams shouldn't be making plays like that. But it, it wasn't. I don't think it was like a great play though. That's the thing. I was like, oh, yes, you got yeah, it was so a many really o- good play. It's a really tough catch that Sam James made. Perfect throw. Good, yeah, okay. To me, it was. Yeah, it was a good throw, but like, oh, you had so many chances. It's like, yeah, Dylan Gabriel cannot make that throw. West, he can't. He hasn't made that throw once this season. He's tried a lot. He's made that. He can make that throw. You just, you just throw it up. It was the reason that ball was uh, completed because it was a height difference. That was only that was the difference in it. I, I, I like. Oklahoma had tons of chances in this game. I don't think like West Virginia. I know. Made, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm lamenting. Uh, I'm lamenting the fact that OU had a ton of chances in this game and couldn't make a play. West Virginia did not have a lot of chances to make plays, and when they did, they pulled it out of their butt and made the play. That's. It's frustrating. That's. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. I just. I just don't. I don't share your frustrations with that. I. I'm more frustrated by, you know, jumping off sides. On yeah, I'm frustrated by that. By that stuff too, and just like I'm I, just I. It's Garrett Green is not good. He's not a good player, and he made no, a big play there. He made a big play there, and that's frustrating. That's a play that he cannot make consistently, oh. and he did. He's not going to make that throw again the rest of the season if he plays, and he did in that moment in that spot, and that's frustrating. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so they score. It's 20-20, to 20, and <laughs> of course Oklahoma's offense comes out. 
when they need him the most again to move the ball, and they go three and out. They go three and, and out. And when the and it was rain is off. the hardest of the game, driving the hardest of the game, they throw a little swing pass to Eric Gray on the short side of the field when you just had a when you just had a possession where you ran it down their throats and they couldn't do anything about it. Because hmm. he got he Go got stopped, he got tackled for a loss of five. So second and fifteen. Then oh, Farouk yeah. and Farouk yeah. kind of got it back at like a little eight or nine yard gain on second and fifteen. And I can't remember what happened on third down. Yeah, the third down was when they took a shot deep to Jalil Farouk. And oh yeah, and, and Gabriel was was like three ticks too late on the throw. He underthrew it. And that's where the arm strength was a problem because it made the play really easy for the DB because the ball was underthrown. He throws it a split second earlier and throws it five yards more down the field. That's probably a touchdown. And get the ball to Drillo Farouk more, please. Like Every time he touches it, positive things happen. The dude's really good. Uh, I, I think he's, right now, I think he's Oklahoma's best wide receiver. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. And he needs to be the guy getting all of the little quick hitters. Mm-hmm. And, hey, how about... Uh, Eric Gray had a great game. That's awesome. Can we line up Jalil Farouk in the backfield again like we saw a couple times against Baylor? Give him the football like he's a running back every once in a while. I want to just – he needs the football. The guy has uh, the feel for the hole, for – he has good vision. He knows how to break tackles. He's a really good player. He's playing great football right now. So, uh, yeah. I, yeah, they go three and out. Uh, but, hey, the, the defense stepped up, though, Grant. The defense steps up. They get a three and out. And this is the drive where, oh, you just went to your to your point. They just they start running it. Boom. Run, 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 run. We already went over it earlier in the, and in this, the show. Yeah, this is the, I think it's the first four plays. Gray has the long run. They get it deep or not deep into West Virginia territory. But then got they're to still the, trying to go 40. fast and they sub out Gray, which is fine. He just had a really long run after carrying it four straight times. And they're still just trying to go as fast as humanly possible. Instead of taking your time, getting to the right play, let the best player on your freaking team take a breath so we can get back out there the next play. Well, the thought is, is that... On the biggest drive of the game. The biggest drive of the game. It's tied with five minutes to go in the game. Yeah, but you know exactly what the, the mentality is, though. That this is, this is the offense. I mean, they're And I'm saying success. that's stupid. I'm saying that's the problem. Okay. That needs to change. It's wrong. It's, it's the same thing I've been criticizing. They care more about tempo than they do getting into the right play. Maybe that's not true deep inside their brains, but effectively, on the field, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows up whenever, obviously, they can't get the first down. If Javante Barnes comes in and does you know, just the same thing that Eric Gray was because, heck, maybe OU's offensive line was just leaning on West Virginia's front seven and it didn't matter who was back there getting carries. But that's the problem. Javante Barnes comes in, only picks up two. Then he picks up five, creating a third down and three. And then you bring in Eric Gray. And as we talked about earlier, the West Virginia defense is like, okay, <laughs> this, this guy's been carrying the mail the entire game. He's probably going to get the ball. They sell out. And, of course, he gets the ball. And he gets nothing. And the weather's bad. That's kind of a bad sign, Grant, that they don't put the ball in Dylan Gabriel's hands one time in that entire possession. <laughs> Their veteran quarterback isn't asked to make a throw. It's like, uh, we're, we're that. Like, it's a mixture of we're confident in our run game, but also uh, our quarterback's been kind of shaky today. And then inexplicably, I know I've used this word a couple of times, inexplicably, 
Uh, and it's in the in the box score. It says fourth and three. I think on TV it said fourth and two. Brent Venables thinks kicking a field goal there is the right move. Forty-six yard field goal into the 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 weather the the elements. Zach Schmidt had already missed a fifty-four yarder, and it just I texted you. It, this is like one of those things where it's like just the feel of the game, the feel of what's happening. And sure, you know what? Maybe there's some times in my football watching career. <laughs> where I've been wrong about that, where I'm like, ah, I don't, like, why, why is Oklahoma kicking? And then, like, Gabe Burkett will make the field goal. And I'll be like, all right, well, okay, I guess that worked out. But this is one of those where it was like, I just, this does not feel like this is going to be a, a successful play here. A and long sure enough, field goal, a long field goal when you're in fourth and short, when with five minutes to go in the game, where if you miss, you're giving the other team good field position. It is, first of all, I, you know, I just... You don't kick a field goal in that situation ever, ever in that situation in college football. I know that there's, I know lots of lots of teams have in the past. It's just, it's just not, it's just not something I would ever do. And I think it's important that you bring up the feel of the game there because that's the most important part. I don't know how you can watch that game, be on the sidelines of that game, see where it's teetered the entire time, kind of see how how your team has really not responded well in high leverage moments, and think. I'm going to put my team in the highest leverage moment I can possibly think of in the elements. See, the elements is the kicker for me. Uh, pun not intended. Because if it was a, a beautiful day and the ele- you know, elements weren't a problem, I can kind of see it. Because I think if that's the case, Schmidt probably makes that 54-yarder earlier in the game. I mean, it came up short probably because it was just kind of crappy weather. But the, the, the weather being so bad... That's where it's like, all right, it's only a couple of yards. Our offense sure has been hit and miss, but we're confident. We got a veteran quarterback here. I like my play call. Like, there's got to be something for fourth and two get, or fourth, just, whatever it was, to. fourth and three. You get into your best play. You run your best play in that situation. You have mm-hmm. to understand that that is the most important play of the game. And you don't want to put it on the shoulder of your kicker with five minutes to go in the game. There was, uh, to be exact, there was 6.24 to go. 6.24. And once again, I mean, no Wildcat. No Wildcat to speak of. Wasn't even in the playbook. Short yardage. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you'd, maybe on uh, maybe on third down. Maybe on third down you go with, go with the Wildcat. You know, and then maybe you use it again on fourth down. Well, no, for man, some because they were trying to go third. fast. It's more important to go fast to keep them off, keep them off guard. Well, the third down though is when they brought Eric Gray back in the game, so they couldn't have gone fast there because they at least you know they subbed. So they still went pretty fast. They, I mean, <laughs> to to the point where they weren't checking or changing the play. They had the play as soon as he got in there, and they ran it. Gotcha. So, and that's that's the game. I mean, West Virginia gets the football, and they use up the final six minutes and twenty four seconds, and go down and kick a game winning field goal. OU gave it up with six twenty four to go in the game, and never got it back. Never even, like, never really heated anything up. Never sold out. Never got super aggressive. A, a, the only a chance. Time, a t- time where an Alex Grinch defense probably would have been useful there. To try to, you know, I don't know, stunt yourself out of the wrong gap. At least give up a 60-yard touchdown and get the ball back. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, interesting point. I mean, the only chance they really had is that uh, they made a nice play. They had a, I think they had a TFL uh, to set up a fourth and three. 
with 225 to go. Oh, but and then I mean, they ran and, and, and then they ran one of the two plays. They ran the entire game. Little tunnel screen. They love the tunnel screen today. And they I, love I mean, why not? It was it was an automatic three yards every time. So that's why they it ran it on every fourth time. and three. Yep. <sighs> and then uh, so, yeah, like no, no real resistance. They get down there and then you you brought it up in our text chain. Uh, once the clock got to the point where it's like, OK, OU's out of timeouts. And West Virginia, if, they actually ran a play. After they, they picked up the first down, there. That's and again a, another instance where West Virginia is 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 also being stupid, but OU is not allowing them to be stupid. And so, to be precise, what you're talking about at that point, Oklahoma has to let them score if they're going to run a re, like a real play, which West Virginia did. They ran a real play. Let me look at the the box score. Uh, with 51 seconds left, they called timeout. And then they ran a play. Garrett Green ran the football for four yards, and Danny Stutzman ta- like, like I mean, it was not it was not just Danny Stutzman. Everybody, that's when you just you open up the Red Sea. You 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 hope that the the young quarterback is dumb enough to go and score. And who knows? Maybe he goes down at the one. But that's when you got to kind of like maybe grab him and force him into the end zone and, and usher him in. You got to let him score there. And that's how did West Virginia called timeout, Grant? There was time for Brent Venables on the sidelines to talk to his defense and say, hey, guys, we got to let him score here. But that wasn't part of the plan. As soon as they got inside the, as soon as they got in the red zone, they should have let him score. I mean, but that's just me. I mean, that's, that's whatever. But yeah, it's, it's all frustrating. Sure. But I mean, you got to, I get what you're saying, but I mean, if you can get them to the point where they're going to kick a field goal and, uh, you know, use up all your timeouts, but they're kicking a field. So all you need is a field goal to match them. You, you try for that if you can, as opposed to getting you know, a touchdown. But, like, you know, once they get that first down, I mean, you, you got to let them score a touchdown because yeah, I guess, or you're maybe, get the ball back. Maybe, yeah. And that, in that situation, they get inside the 20. You're at least being really aggressive where you're selling out, like, on everything, where you're just bringing the house. Whereas, like, I mean, you're... If you're going to get attacked, it's going to be very far behind the line of scrimmage. One like one of those type of deals. Because yeah, I mean, OU called their last timeout with a minute twenty three to go, and it was third and six at the seventeen. And of course, uh, Garrett Green picks up a first down with his. I legs. guess yeah, on that one, I would say there you because one they were obviously going to run a quarterback keeper. That was the only play they were ever going to run in that scenario. And so I, I guess there, I, if in retrospect, hindsight, I would say you totally sell out. Engage eight there. Engage eight. Everyone. Right, yeah. Try to just make a, a crazy, like, incredible TFL or sack or turnover. And if you, you mess up, well, they score a touchdown, and at least you're getting the ball back with a with minute to go. over a minute to go. Or over a minute to go, yeah. And you hope that they're dumb enough to go and score, which... I think they, they would have been because they're, that's not a good team. That's a, that's a, West Virginia is a poorly coached team. I, yeah, I, I tend to agree in that scenario. Now, I, I do think that at 51 seconds, there is a chance that maybe they would have realized, oh, we can't, we can't score here. But you got to at least try. Because if you don't, you're just hoping they miss a chip shot field goal. And that's not going to – I mean, it is a college kicker, which you, know, you hate. But it's a 25 – it's an extra point, essentially. I'd, I'd rather, yeah. So that's the game. We went through it all, and it's, I guess we'll, uh, I'll, I'll say it. Uh, OU's 5-5. Five and five. 
it's unacceptable that Oklahoma is five and five. That is a bad loss. Last week, you and I were, you know, not happy Oklahoma lost, but Baylor's a good football team. And I think we both think that Baylor's going to go in and beat K-State tonight. West Virginia I mean, beat Baylor, we'll too, at home. True, true. Uh, here's the thing, man. Brent Venables, through 10 games, I don't think this is crazy. His, his seat's hot. <laughs> this is not good. If that recruiting class starts to you start to see more trickle away, I okay, he's I not know. he's he's not going to get fired this year. That's no, he's, I, I he's not. I'm just saying. But if this is no, this I mean it's it's definitely hot. It's definitely at the point now where if you don't, he's if not going to get fired. I'm just no, I, but it's definitely at the point now where I mean, in the first four or five games of next season, if it's not obvious that the team has taken a massive step forward, yeah, it's he's. He's in trouble. Like this is, I and like I, I want to be super, super clear about this. Super clear. OU has a lot better players than West Virginia. I just watched that game. West Virginia sucks. OU had no business losing that game. They had better players than Baylor, and they lost that game. They have better players than Kansas State, and they lost that game. This is this is not. It's not. It. It's a talent problem in the sense that, you know, they don't have the depth right now, and I wish they had more talent. They got better players than a vast majority of the Big 12, and they're five and five. They're last place in the Big 12 right now. Nuh-uh. Not good enough. What does Josh McQuistion on Sooner Scoop say a lot of the time? I feel like when I, I hear him on their podcast from time to time, he'll say something along the lines of, man, all these other teams in the Big 12, aside from maybe Texas, would love to have Oklahoma's roster. He says versions of that, I think, a lot uh, on, on their podcast, and I think he's correct about that because – I think it like either recruiting rankings and classes matter or they don't. And I think it's pretty clear they do matter. Uh, talent matters. Recruits matter. And we're not a recruiting podcast. Everyone knows that. But we still understand that's how you build a program. That's the lifeblood of a program. And we were concerned about the lack of development in the previous regime with Lincoln Riley. And I know it's year one, but the head coach told us this week that there's a lot of inexperience on defense. We know that's not true, and I know that you and I might have been on an island together criticizing him for that because I think a lot of we, – we heard from some, you know, some listeners and some friends like, yeah, I think we all kind of know what he meant. He was just trying to be nice because the players aren't any good, and he, he obviously can't go up there and say, my players suck, and that's true, but he also doesn't have to go up there and sell us on that they're inexperienced because that's not true, and – we, were, we talked about it on the last show. Like, if you're going to sell us on something, sell us on this is a brand new scheme. And your scheme takes time to learn. And even a full year is not going to be enough time. Sell us on that. Because at least I'll buy into that a little bit more than David Aguebu is a young player or is inexperienced. <laughs> Justin Broyles is inexperienced. Like, get out of here with that. It's not true. Woody Washington's inexperienced. No, these guys have played a lot of football. <laughs> Shout out to Justin Broyles, by the way, who, who does look like his season ended today, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, just, just wanted to say that in the sense that, I mean, that, that does suck, and Broyles has not been terrible this year, just like he wasn't terrible last year, but he's also not any good, so. On that note, I mean, I, I saw Damon Harmon playing, or Damon Harmon playing, uh, and the only, reason, the only reason I saw him is because he was out there on that 35-yard second out of 15 explosive play, and I also saw a little bit of Justin Harrington for the first time today. 
not necessarily doing anything, but yeah, so, um, he yeah he came in after Deshaun White had to go off for one play. Okay. Saw a lot of uh, I saw a lot of Robert Spears Jennings in the absence of Justin Broyles. He uh, tra- he was the one who made the hit on the kicker on the botched extra point attempt that freed up the football that allowed Billy Bowman to scoop it up and go score. By the way, when Bowman got that ball, wasn't it a great feeling knowing like, oh, okay, it's Billy Bowman. Like, they're not going to catch him. This is, good. this is like what he does. He's really good at returning stuff. Wasn't that a nice feeling knowing that he wasn't going to get you know, caught from behind by anybody? I don't know. Small thing. Sure, yeah. I'm, um, man, I just... Uh, what a frustrating game. It's a... It's a game where I've, I mean, it, to me, it does feel like I mean, if if we want to, I want to take the emotion away from it a little bit. I just a uh, uh, one step forward and two step two step back type of game because Manly, if you would have told me coming into this season that going into game ten at West Virginia that OU would lead the Big Twelve in rushing, I would have said, oh yeah, they're nine or no, well on their way to a Big Twelve championship. Oh, if they were the. Wait, say that again. Are they the? You said they're the best team, best yeah, rushing oh, yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OU leads the Big Twelve in rushing yards per game. Oh, okay. And they also have I, I think OU's got the best offensive line in the conference. They were really good again today. Outside of a, mm-hmm. a couple of there, there was a couple of pass protection just on a couple of plays. I mean, but they, I mean, they were blocking up the run game really well today. Anton Harrison is awesome. Harrison and, uh, was getting a lot of a lot of credit on the broadcast, and it sounds like he's having a great year. And so that's um, why I, it's that's why it's yeah. disappointing. One, the offensive line has consistently gotten better the entire season. They've gotten better. The offensive line is good. This is the best offensive line OU has had since their 2018 one that won the Joe Moore Award. And it just sucks because they're five and five, and they also have a really good running back, Eric Gray, and they're five and five. And in this game, I think we can point towards a lot a lot of the game and say. Obviously, the defense made tangible improvement over the Baylor game, and they still lost to the worst team in the Big 12. That, is, that sucks. That's on the coaching staff, 100%. There's a lot of player errors that we can point to in this game, but the, the fact is those, that's been happening all season long, and that's on the coaches, man. Something's going on. We're back to, I mean, man. You know, I got to say, I... Uh I said, I think the last episode, the last couple episodes, uh, looking at Oklahoma's schedule, their record, you know, like nine and three would have been great, terrific. You know, you, you finish the year out, you go nine and three. This is before the Baylor game, obviously. You know, eight and four also, you know, eight and four is good. We'll take it, eight and four. But then you get to seven and five, if that's the final regular season record. To me, the difference in seven and five and eight and four is like a canyon. It's, it seems, and right now, best case scenario is seven and five. And legitimately, you have a chance to not even play in a bowl game. And again, it's it's unacceptable. It's the there's a lot of ta- uh, there's a lot of talent on this team. There's a lot of experience on this team. I get it. There's new coaches, but as you pointed out all year, Grant, other teams have new coaches too. <laughs> and other teams were not as certain at the quarterback position, I would imagine, as Oklahoma kind of was with a veteran player that knows the offense coming in. Granted, he missed a couple of games. So this has been bad. This is not anywhere near what we thought it was going to be. And I, 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 it's frustrating because we were all very, uh, not very, we were all happy about Brent Venables. We thought it was a, you know, the right hire, the, you know, a, a good hire. And it's always 
smart in these situations as a caveat to say it still may be a great hire. It's still early. It's one year. But, man, it's, it's 10 games in, and this team is not getting any better. And Brent Venables was saying that he wants to make sure that this team improves from week one to week 12. This team is not better in week 10 or week 11 or whatever it was than it was in week one or week two or week three when they were playing its best football. So something's going on. And to me, it's on the coaching staff. In football, the coaches have the most influence of all the sports. It's on the coaching staff. By the way, I do have some quotes if you want to hear some rationale for some decisions in the game. Sure, I guess. So this is from Bob Prisbillo from Shooter's Group. He says, Venables on the decision to kick that field goal in the fourth quarter that you and I were talking about a little bit ago, the Zach Schmidt field goal, where they we thought just the feel of the game was like, what are you doing kicking here? Venables said, quote, Zach, Zach Schmidt, he's been outstanding all the way since spring ball. And again, based on how we had been, the lack of execution all day, I didn't think we were going to miraculously come up with this big-time conversion on fourth down, end quote. Whew. That is, uh, it's honest. I, I, I appreciate the honesty, but, man, that's, that's your offense, man. That's, that's the guy, your big offensive coordinator hire. You bring in a quarterback, a veteran quarterback. You got... He thought there was a better chance. Didn't he thought that, there was a better chance for him to make a 46-yard kick, a college kicker, a 46-yard kick on the road in the rain, than for them to to call a good play and get two yards. That doesn't sound like a lot of a lot of confidence in his OC. Which, hey, I mean, I can see it in those short yardage situations. I can see why he wouldn't have any because they've been awful in those situations all year. But that's why you know you correct it. You scout yourself coaching staff as you guys like to say so much and realize like it's very obvious where OU has been bad this year in what situations correct it I mean, what was the everything was all great a couple weeks ago whenever I I tweeted out Venables his comments from the press conference where he was kind of laughing at Jeff Lebby when he would you know, talk about how these offensive coordinators have all these these great plays they got to get to and Venables would say hey Jeff, what was that play you called in the first quarter that worked really well? Call it again. How, has there ever been any moments in like what, today where Coach Venables got into the microphone and said, hey, Jeff, where's the wildcat? Can we use that in short yardage? That's, can we try it? We need to get some first downs here. I, it's just, I, I mean, I get that at some point you got to let the guys do their job, and that's, that's his job, but, you know, it's easy for us to be Monday morning quarterbacking it, but, man, like, the Wildcat has worked. It's been successful. It makes but, other... It's like, def- but this, is, this continues to happen, and it all happens in the same part of the field, too. When, as soon, when, when OU gets, like, gets across midfield, and they're around like the 40 and the 35-yard line, yeah. I instantly get PTSD. I get anxiety. Because I'm like, if they don't get an explosive <laughs> play here, they're going to turn it over on downs. Another quote from Venables. This is courtesy of Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World. Venables, quote, we weren't very good at the wrong times. I'm very disappointed for our guys. The mistakes that we made today, again, this game will punish you. False starts, holding, taking sacks at wrong time, drop balls, offensive pass interferences, end quote. Um, yeah, I mean, he's right, right well, but you got to that's, – that's just, dude, man, that's, that's, that's now football. three of your five Big 12 losses. That's the story of them. 
Like, get it figured out, man. And it's all happened in really similar situations. I don't know how they can't be like, hey, guy, man, we've really struggled on third and short and fourth and short. Maybe we should, like, rep some really some plays that we really like and only just call those. Get good at them and just call those in those situations. Well, this has been unusual, obviously, that we're recording this so soon after the game, but uh, the way the game went, I posted a prompt for three-word reviews on Twitter and on the West of Ever's Facebook page, and uh, Grant, we got a lot of them already, as you might imagine. So might as well go through some of them, or all of them, or whatever, whatever jumps out, and I'm sure these will be pretty interesting as I let the internet load here real quick. We'll go to the West of Ever's Facebook page first and check these out. We'll begin with Mike. Mike on the West of Ever's Facebook page says, softball season yet? <laughs> Question mark. Just got to skip over basketball season totally. <laughs> What's well, OU, uh, I guess, one and one now, and the men, they they lost, and then they won. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't even want Their basketball team is not any good. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. I don't even know if we'll get to that at some point, but... Um, all right, so uh, Shane has a few three-word reviews. He says, defensive dumpster fire. That's But not that's really, not though, fair. which is why this that's is so frustrating. Fair. Yeah. No, the defense, the defense wasn't that bad today. The defense was objectively... The defense was, was about as good as they were against Iowa State. Except the, the offense put them in much worse positions this time, I feel like. And, I mean, West Virginia's been... You talked about it on the, the preview podcast... It's been a much different team at home offensively. Hey, you look at their, yeah, take their offensive numbers at home. It's a top 10 offense in the country. Yeah. And they looked, I mean, with their, with all their, they got Tony Mathis. I mean, they were fully healthy on offense with JT Daniels out there and they couldn't move it at all with JT Daniels. Man. Yeah. He, he wasn't good. So yeah, I think you're a little too hard on the defense there, Shane, but uh, the next, the next couple I, I think are fair. Also, Shane says terribly unwatchable product. I felt that a lot of that time of that game. It's just tough to watch. I'm again. I'm I'm actually very happy I didn't have to be at that game. That that's rough. The weather, man. The weather looked awful. And also from Shane, he says upcoming tough decisions. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Scotty says coaches need players. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. Going I, forward, I, sure. Yeah. yeah. Not they didn't. They yes. didn't need new players to win that game. Yeah, true. They didn't need new players to beat Baylor either. Or Kansas State. I agree. I agree. I agree as well. Uh, Tracy says, what special teams? Uh, yeah, probably the worst worst special teams game of the year. I I mean, a couple missed field goals, botched. You know, you give up a, a fourth down conversion on a fake punt, give up a long kickoff return whenever you go up 10 nothing. Not good special teams. I think they're they weren't able. Did they ever really? Maybe they they pinned them inside the the red Turk zone maybe had, once. Turk got them. Yeah, Turk pinned them a couple times. And I, you know, I use that word loosely. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Turk was the bright spot, but still nothing special. So that's a fair three word review from Tracy. Philip says two missed field goals, two missed FGs. Yeah, those are big. Six points. That's a difference. Ned says completely, utterly numb. Whew. A couple more from Tracy. He says coaching is suspect. We've talked a lot about <laughs> talked a lot about that, I guess, today. Also from Tracy, roster needs turnover. 
probably probably correct. All right, it's it's probably it's probably right, but also it's just like but I, they still can be winning these games. They they can still be winning these games. Uh, it's there's still plenty there, still plenty there, and like yeah, I I I want to be on on a greater level too. But when you're talking about five and five at this point in time. Like I mean, they're they're a long way away from what we envision of what we want. Five and five. So Oklahoma can legitimately grant they lose the next. It could be their first losing season since we've been paying attention, since we've been sentient football fans. Let's take wow. That is. I wouldn't even look at it that way until right uh, now. No, I don't. They go five and seven. That is. It's. Possible. That would be that would that would be a situation where you'd have to at least have the conversation. I think, hundred <laughs> percent. Their win total to start the year was nine and a half, and I didn't think it was a slam dunk that they'd go over. But I put my money where my mouth is in certain spots that they'd go over nine and a half. I mean, it's not often you get a chance to to bet OU over you know, bet an OU win total that's not ten or ten and a half. And with the amount of experience coming back, you got a, a new head coach, but a head coach that's, as I said, the most prepared, most experienced new head coach maybe ever, an elite defensive mind. I thought it was great. We were all, go back and listen to our podcast. All of, everybody in the OU atmosphere was super positive. And 10 games into the year, we all look like we are so out to lunch. And I don't think our predictions or our thoughts or our, our expectations were were crazy. I don't think they were. You got four dudes on the defensive staff who have won national championships on a coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like this entire roster was turning over and it was a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. I mean, how many times on the show talking, have you talked and, about And the offense? Yeah. The offense literally all they lost was Caleb Williams and Mario Williams. Everyone else came back. Candy Brooks. Uh, I'm, yes, thank you. That That is a big one. But also, that's made a lot yeah, better by Hall. the fact that Eric Gray is awesome. Jeremiah Hall, too. How much you... you know, yeah, leadership and, and or, man. I, I don't know how life. much of a... I I, I, th- I think Willis has probably filled in the, the, the Hall position just fine this year. Yeah, I agree. Trey says, lowly, lifeless loss. I like the alliteration. Well done, Trey. Yeah, I don't know if they one. were, and like that's the thing. That's I don't know if they were lifeless. Like I wouldn't say that. Like I, which mm. almost that kind of makes it worse. I don't know though. I mean, how many times have you said that West Virginia was trying to give them the game and Oklahoma just wouldn't take it though? Was I don't know guy? if that was because of like of being lifeless. It's just more of just not being locked in. You could, I, I think, I think you could accuse Marvin Mims of being lifeless at times during that game. Goodness. Man, what's going on with him? He's but I he's thought on the, pace to be back next year. Uh, he he's there's he's got every he's got no reason to not come back next year, other than getting in the portal. I would guess from his perspective. Sure, I mean I I thought for sure he'd be this year and try for the NFL and get out of here you know, with his tumultuous Lincoln Riley situation and a new coach and just you know what let's cut my losses and he's a smart kid maybe he would have graduated early and get you know, get the heck out of here but. This point, I think you you expect Marvin Mims back next year. Like you said, unless unless something happens behind the scenes and he wants to get out of here and transfer, I don't know. Let's see where am I? Okay, Scotty says offense failed today. Agree. 
Justin yeah, this game's says, on the off. This game is 100% on the offense for not separating in the first half when West Virginia was begging you to. Wow, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. You're right. The game should have been 21 to nothing, and it should have been over. And they didn't even have to make any big-time plays for it to happen. Just no. make the easy plays. That's, that's what's crazy about it. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Ben, man, Ben off the top rope. Ben says, wrong coach hired. Whew. I don't like, and so I don't, I don't know if, I, I, obviously I'm not to that point yet, but also I don't blame anyone who is thinking like that right now. They're five and five. They're not like, I don't think it's, you know, you'll look at the data and stuff like that. I, I don't, it's, it's not as rock bottom as it could be. Like they're not getting pulverized, right? Like they, they could always be getting their, just the crap kicked, kicked out of them by that West Virginia team. Like that's not what happened here, but also at the same time, sure. they're five and five. Screw this. This team is clearly mentally weak, and they make a ton of terrible mistakes at the worst possible times. That sucks. I'm with you. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to, to be having that conversation, to be questioning that. Not at all. Justin says, "Shake my head," and a bit, a little bit of ying, a little bit of a, I guess, ying or yang to Ben's three-word review justin says still trust bv warren says wrong direction again hmm. scotty can't believe it Longtime listener says uh long-time listener philip says refs blew it and yeah i mean we talked about the the bad you know i guess no call on the late hit and you know that was certainly a big part of the game because that that's a West Virginia touchdown that probably wouldn't have happened, Grant. I mean, it was, it was going to be fourth and twenty-five, and they're probably punting. <laughs> so and they're definitely, well, of course, they're definitely punting. It would have, yeah. Oh, you would have gotten the ball back up by a touchdown, and 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 you know, hey, like the offense would have gone three and out. Like they would not have capitalized <laughs> on it. So, and like I mean, you laugh, but that's what. But hey, maybe they would have. Maybe maybe Turk would have blasted one and pinned him inside the five. I don't know. Well, yeah, just so they can, so they can tie the game with like two minutes to go, and then so OU can go three and out after running three bad plays in a row. I don't know. It's just like they're, it's not even like it's to the point where a lot of their play calls in situations like that are really predictable, and also just the result, regardless of what play they call, is going to be predictable. It's happened too many times this year not to just expect it. It's like they can get. It's like if let's say let's say let's say next week in Bedlam, OU receives, they get the ball, they get the ball to start the game. What if they go down the field, they score in seven play, go seventy five yards in seven plays, score easily, and, and everyone's thinking, oh, great, everything is fixed. It doesn't matter. The defense is clearly going to give up a touchdown the next drive, and we're going to be off to the races. <laughs> yeah, and that goes back to the whole. I know everyone wants to talk about complimentary football a lot of the time, and yeah, and we've talked about it a lot on the show, usually with. Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch and all that stuff. And I'll be honest, though, I'm kind of tired of that. To me, it's just both both units just go play good football. Just play better. I, I just, yeah, just just play like yeah, just play better football, man. Like I, it, it seems like almost an excuse. Like oh, they can't compliment each other. Like I think well, yeah, like Ohio like, State doesn't need complimentary football. They're just going out there and just beating people up. Yeah, they you just know, like, score a majority of the time when they have the ball. Yeah, and it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just like. 
I think yeah, when people when people complain about complimentary football, it's just like because remember in 2018 when we complained about it, it was because oh sweet the defense finally got a stop. Maybe the offense is going to be able to separate, and that was one of the two drives in the entire game where the offense didn't score a touchdown. You know, <laughs> yeah, and like that's and that's what's happening here. Like we saw it in this game too, where it was like. Hey, there was in the fourth quarter when it was 20 to 20. Oh, you went three and out. Their defense had to get a stop, and they did. But in situations like that, the other side is not able to hold up its end of the bargain. It's been like that now. I mean, that was always our that was always the story, right? In Lincoln Riley games in which OU didn't win by as much as they should have. They let other teams hang around. Whereas now, they're just losing games. Mhm. Well, and to be fair, when it was 20 to 13 after OU's offense did a nice job to get the lead, OU's defense did get, you know, did get West Virginia into fourth down, but then allowed a fake punt to convert. And so they didn't do their job. They didn't get off the field there. So and like to get the ball back, you know, Oklahoma didn't get a chance to get the football back with the lead in the second half. I don't think. No. Like to potentially make it a two-score game. No, yeah, you're right cuz it was they uh, West Virginia scored uh, right after the 20 to 13 so mm-hmm. but I don't know man um, I don't know you want to get out of here you got any more to say I just got some more three-word reviews I, since these guys posted I'll just get to them oh, Tim yeah. says terrible terrible game management more from Tracy Lebby isn't it Jeff Lebby starting to get a little criticism I'm actually yeah I would be I I do not like this offense full full I just don't like it and maybe maybe it has a lot to do with the fact that a five nine lefty is running it. I don't know. I, I just I, I don't like the offense. Yeah, if I did, you know, you asked me, hey, do you like OU's offense? For now, I'd say yes, but it doesn't seem like an offense that it doesn't seem like an offense that's gonna win a, a national championship. You know, it doesn't seem like an offense that's gonna go and and win you really super important games against high-level teams, does it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could if you have if you got you know, guys like you do you know, on the 2017 OU team. Yeah. You guess you got a bunch of NFL dudes, then for sure you can. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of offenses will, I guess, be successful then. But that's, that, that's, that's going to be the thing, though. Once OU gets into the SEC, if they're, if they're wanting to win national championships, they're going to have to have a bunch of NFL dudes anyway. So, I mean, and they're going to have to be able to complete passes against good coverage. Mm-hmm. True. A couple more on the West of Everest Facebook page. Jay says, mind is tired. <laughs> and finally, Ellen says, what the heck? I'll go over to Twitter real quick. There's some there as well. Got to give credit to Sooner Hicks for uh, his three-word review. <laughs> his three-word review is the gift from the water boy of Rob Schneider saying, we suck again. It's always a good one. Tony King says, we are Texas. Interesting three-word Actually, yes. This is OU right now is really similar to Texas last season. Like, the, te- hmm. the two teams are really similar. Wow. Sean says on Twitter, lack of leadership. Oof. That's, that's a big Brent Venables thing. He wants people to be leaders and... They do the thing. They have different captains every game and this whole thing. And Oklahoma State does that also. Just, just in case idea. anyone thought that that was, that was like a super... Yeah. I mean, I mean it's I still nothing, weird. I have nothing but. against it. 
I have nothing against it, whatever. It gives everybody a chance to maybe be a captain one week, which is kind of cool because it's cool experience. So whatever. I, I don't think that's that matters one way or the other. I mean, if you're a leader, you're a leader, whether you're a captain or not. Caleb says, no excuses now. Jeff on Twitter says, this is bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> another one from Caleb. Caleb remembers the stuff we say, Grant. He says, pod in jeopardy. <laughs> I mean, this team start, you know, this team loses games and is bad. Yeah, the pod might be in jeopardy. I mean, I'm out of the TV business. You know, I don't know. Does Oklahoma want us to keep this podcast going? It certainly seems like they don't at this point. I just can't imagine doing a podcast about a, you know, a team that is consistently going like seven and five every year. That here sounds comes all the Here comes all the uh, accusations. You're fair weather, man. Hey, throw them at me. Hey, I'll take it. David Holt says, painful to watch. <laughs> uh, at, uh, Matt MCI, this is, I'm assuming referencing you, Grant. He says, never trust, in parentheses, college kickers. Love it. Love it. It's probably the best one. And also, Matt, he's on, uh, on the same page as you. He says, please define targeting. And so that was on the, the late hit. I didn't even notice that. I like I wouldn't have called it targeting, but in what scenario don't they do they not ever always stop that and review? Like that's always stopped and reviewed. He <laughs> he was giving himself up and he launched that CJ Colden. It was clearly a malicious hit. Was it to the head or neck area? Yeah, I mean it was I, I it was his it was his shoulder going into his head and his neck. Okay. I'm just I and more I'm surprised they didn't just look at it just out of habit. It's just, it was such an unusual play. It wasn't your typical targeting type play. Maybe that's why it didn't get flagged. I don't know. It I mean to me it, it nothing no alarm bells went off in my head when I saw it. So uh, Nate says, "Please fire someone." <laughs> Nate wants a sacrificial lamb. Uh, Colas Powell says just two words needed unacceptable coaching brett longtime listener or at least a, a loyal listener to the pod brett says sooners soul searching i like that one and uh it's it's bizarre to say this but now my former co-worker at news nine steve mcgee he says bring back lee well i to be fair i i guess that's two games now that OU's now lost and i haven't been working but i don't think that i am the reason why they've lost the last two games i just don't think i have that much kind of power over the program guys i don't know it, it seems like this is kind of one of those seasons where everything is just kind of going wrong and i you know if if i had a glass half glass half uh, full type look at this it's right it's it's that you hope this is this is a re and i've said this already this is a replay of one of those seasons where everything goes wrong and so that would be like 2009 essentially i'm thinking of 2009 because that was the only you know they went seven and five in the regular season that year and that was a year where yeah, their it, defense was great and you could make an argument, at least statistically, by the data that their offense is really good. But and then twenty nine, their their offense was just terrible. They couldn't move the ball. Yeah. By the way, I just saw the replay of the Colden. He gets hit. I, no, I mean that's not targeting. That's that's yeah, it's just whatever. It's but it's a late hit though. He's giving himself up. I don't know why they pulled the flag away. That's yeah, it's it, it should have been it should have been unnecessary roughness at least. Yes, yes. Which I mean, again, that 
that takes, in hindsight, that takes a touchdown off the board from West Virginia. Who knows how the game plays out from there? That was a Certainly huge Oklahoma's, call. That was a huge call. That yeah. was an unacceptable call. OU should be upset. It's not why they lost because they had so many opportunities to not suck up to that point and take control of the game. But in that in that situation, it was the fourth quarter of the game. It is an objectively wrong call that the officials made. And that that's tough yes. to swallow. Correct. Correct. All right, that does it with three word reviews. That's all of them. Not bad, guys, for, you know, I guess now we're about an hour and 30 after the game ended, but appreciate all of you who left the three word reviews on my Twitter page and also the West of Everest Facebook page. This has been fun. Uh, well, I mean, in the sense that, you know, we did a podcast this soon after the game. Not a fun day. Oklahoma now five and five. And I mean, I'm very curious to see the reactions or hear the reactions of fans, uh, the media people. Because we're not going to be only people that are are wondering, okay, did, Brent Venables, what's going on, man? Like, I don't know. Like, people are going to be questioning this. So, like, how can you not? How can you not? I mean, you're you're being willfully obtuse if you're still going to sit here at five and five after a loss to that team and think, ah, I'm still super super confident in Brent Venables long term, because. Right now, I'm not. Yeah, it's tough. That's I'm not. and like like I said, that's I'm sitting here just trying to really rack my brain. That's the worst team OU has lost to since I've been following them. It's I, bad I like I, team. I can't think of I, I honestly can't. Like I'm sitting here racking my maybe maybe you could say uh two thousand one Oklahoma State was worse. I think they were like four and seven going into that game or like three and seven going into that game or whatever at the end of the year. But oh man, that West Virginia team sucked, man. They're, I mean, they're Lincoln not, Riley, man. Did Lincoln Riley lose to any super bad teams like that in his I, time? No, nah, I still thought the worst team that Lincoln Riley, uh, the worst team he ever lost to was that Kansas State team that COVID year. But remember the they they got just ravaged by injuries after that game. Yeah, that probably probably is right. I mean that even that uh, in twenty seventeen that Iowa State team they lost to it wasn't it wasn't a great team, but. It was, was a still a team. seven and five team that had an NFL yeah. running back in David Montgomery. Yeah. So I mean, I thought of that. Uh, you know, obviously, twenty eighteen they lost to Texas. You know, Texas was not a bad team. Yeah, it was a team and that played in the Alabama. Big Twelve Championship. Twenty nineteen was that? Uh, uh, well, twenty nineteen K State eight and four K State twenty nineteen K State eight and four. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean twenty, and then last season they, I mean they they should have lost to a lot of teams, but Oklahoma didn't lose. I mean they were the whole thing about oh what's going on, something's up, and then, then finally at the end of the year they lose to Baylor and Oklahoma State. Two good teams, two I mean really good teams. God, remember so, the yeah, I, I st- and I, and the gosh, and there was still even that Oklahoma State game, just the blatant pi against Trevon West in the end zone that wasn't called. Yeah, just absolutely blatantly awful <laughs> textbook pi. <laughs> And the Big 12 refs are just like, yeah, whatever. I didn't see anything. We're good. I will say that uh, only time I've seen a game at Boone Pickens, Bedlam last year, really cool atmosphere. It's, I mean, down that Oklahoma lost the game, but it was pretty cool to be there to see Oklahoma State fans. They were super pumped. They, they uh, went on the field and rushed the field. It was a pretty cool atmosphere. Probably the best night for an Oklahoma State to be an Oklahoma State fan, I guess they won the Fiesta Bowl too. But I bet they, if they look back at last year, the Bedlam was their best part. I mean, that was by far uh, beating OU the way they did. 
yeah, the bowl game, but like doing it at home in Bedlam. Anyways, who cares? Uh, <laughs> so I guess Bedlam's next week. Bedlam's next week. There you go. There's a transition. And right now, Iowa State's up 14 to 10 against Oklahoma State. Man, I really wanted to hammer the under in this game. I wish I would have. <laughs> I think it was like in the 40s. Dude, man, yeah, Bedlam next right week now, is yeah. going to be a bloodbath, man. It's just going to be, it's going to be two teams. Just who, who can out mistake each other? I mean, at this rate, OSU is going to come in if they this result holds. They're going to OSU is going to be six and four, and OU is going to be five and five. Watch this. The, if they like, watch watch OSU still lose today, and then Mike Gundy will come in next week, and this will be the game where he finally gets super aggressive and like goes for it a lot. And doesn't kind of like wave the white flag and punt and kick a lot. This is going to be it. And, and and of course, they'll make every play that they're supposed to make, and they'll win by by relatively few points at the end of the at the end of the game. I I bet if we look back at last year's game, I bet there was times where they were probably aggressive. I feel like last year they were different. Um, I mean, wasn't OU up by double digits in the fourth quarter of last year's game? I think so. <laughs> and they just I'm pretty sure OU just completely imploded that's right Eric Gray dropped the uh, he muffed the punt and then he muffed the punt with OU up by like 11 or something like that well who knows I mean a lot of guys on that team last year will obviously be thinking about how that game went uh, in 2021 I mean they're going to want to get revenge on OSU it's just Right now, Oklahoma is is not good. I mean, hopefully the weather is fine and Dylan Gabriel plays a lot better. I mean, the thing is, yeah, Dylan Gabriel didn't play that well today, but again, he didn't really have to. They still should have won the football game. Marvin Mims catches the ball. Uh, Braden Willis catches the ball behind the line of scrimmage, or if Theo Weiss doesn't commit OPI, whoever's fault that was, that's a touchdown. I mean, so even with Gabriel not playing well, OU still left a bunch of points on the board that like was not his fault. <laughs> so Yeah, I just... Anyway, the- yeah. The, with the way that they were able to run the ball in this game with Eric Gray, the only thing that Dylan Gabriel needed to do was what he did, which was which was complete that pass that to Marvin Mims, which he dropped, which would have been a touchdown, and he just needed to do those little the little quick yardage plays that they ran actually pretty effectively at times in this game. That's all Dylan Gabriel needed in this game, with how well the offensive line and Eric Gray were playing. I have no idea how the offensive line playing that well and Eric Gray playing that well did not translate into more points and easier offense. It's just insane. I agree. Okay, that's enough. Let's get out of here. We'll be back later in the week to talk Bedlam, I suppose, and uh, whatever the heck else we learn between now and then. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.